Hello, my beautiful, totally fine family. This week, I'm going to take us a little bit into the woo. I know we're just getting to know each other. I want to talk about a concept that is hardly new, but was posed to me and a new name that I had not known about that will be familiar with many of you. And that is the concept of the dark night of the soul. And I'll get into how this was introduced to me. But I've been reading about this concept, the dark night of the soul, over the past several weeks. And I wanted to take this opportunity to share a bit about my experience and my learnings. I'm going to talk about how it came to fruition, how I think it applies to our lives in both um, a kind of religious, spiritual, and secular sense. And I basically want to open up a conversation around how going through this experience, whether it's dark night of the soul, an existential crisis, however you brand or name it, how this can help us live more authentic, elevated lives. Let's get into it. Self-compassion, authentic connection to others, and more importantly, yourself, identifying your life calling and forging your own course in this life. Welcome to the Totally Fine Podcast. We talk growth, change, and overcoming challenges in both our personal and professional lives. Most importantly, we talk about moving through these processes with grace, authenticity, and maximum compassion toward ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we are all going to be totally fine. So because we are still just getting to know each other, I wanted to lay the foundation for my personal beliefs and the context from which I talk about this kind of thing. Because when we start talking about the dark night of the soul, how it was coined, there are going to be some religious connotations. Now, I was raised rather religious. Um, I come from a Russian Orthodox family. And over the course of my life, I've gone through my own periods during which I certainly questioned and challenged dogmatic beliefs across the religion in which I was raised, other religions. Um, I spent a couple of years at a Catholic school. And um, more recently, I've more properly or I guess proactively pursued what I will call my spiritual path. I would say I'm just about a year and change into that. I consider myself both religious and spiritual, but the way I look at religious and spiritual philosophies is, um, as they apply to my own life, is that they are actually quite symbiotic and complementary. I guess earlier in my adulthood, I found that certain quote-unquote absolutes in religion just didn't quite sit with me. And that's when I started to believe that faith is quite personal and not necessarily what should be taken for granted as preached to the masses. So when I talk about religion, it's um, a little looser than I think traditionally is, um, is mentioned. So how do we get here? Recently, I guess over the past month and a half or so, I've been going through a strange time. I've just been, been feeling sluggish, less inspired, less motivated than usual, just overall down without an explanation. In fact, the way I had been feeling is has not been too unlike the ways in which I felt before at times that I thought, hey, maybe it's time to regulate my serotonin levels. 
I'm very open about this. During parts of my 20s and 30s, the support of a specific SSRI tremendously helped me navigate uh, times of my life. Now, this time, my default was to think, hey, maybe it's time to restart. But something felt a little different. And I am going to go uh, back to the notion of taking a medication to support us through challenging times. So put a pin in this. So I'm very aware that I'm going through a tough chapter of my own. And now it's definitely first world problems over here. And I've spoken on the pod about my period of re-identification, trying to find my place in the world. Um, I'm also in a bit of a unique partnership. My husband and I met when I was seven months pregnant with my daughter. And now our kids are in school and we're out of the baby haze. We're realizing we have a lot, a lot of dating to do. It's almost like we don't fully know who the other is when we aren't wearing our family hats, if that makes any sense. More on that soon, I'm sure. Also, once again, while we're out of the baby phase, my kids are still quite young. I'm being pulled in many directions all the time. All of this to say that I consciously, regularly remind myself that it is okay to feel overwhelmed and exhausted and not totally right. It's this particular season in my life. Now, despite this, there's also so much good and beautiful, and I try to regularly remind myself of that. By the way, little sidebar, a major premise of my coaching philosophy is in fact that wherever we are in life is totally fine. Life is simply full of ups and downs, and we don't get peaks without the valleys. So a few weeks ago, I connected with someone whose spiritual guidance and perspective I respect tremendously, and I told him a bit about what I'd been feeling and going through, and he told me, oh, you're going through the dark night of the soul. Read about it. And I thought, oh my God, well, that sounds gloomy. Now, the more I read about the dark night of the soul and its various perceptions and applications, I realized It's not that gloomy after all. Now, the path leading up to it and going through the experience can be dark, can be difficult, but the culmination is actually quite beautiful. Wikipedia describes the modern definition of the dark night of the soul as a crisis of faith or a difficult, painful period in one's life. Eckhart Tolle describes it as a collapse of a perceived meaning in life an eruption into your life of a deep sense of meaninglessness. Now, I really wanted to get to the bottom of where this title, where this, where this phrase came from. And it is actually the name of a poem written by St. John of the Cross. So I am going to introduce St. John of the Cross, or San Juan de la Cruz. I am going to provide an overview of what's likely his most famous mystic poem, The Dark Night of the Soul, and then I'm going to take several steps back and share how I think this process and experience that San Juan captures may apply to many of us despite varying philosophies and beliefs. St. John of the Cross was a Spanish Catholic priest in the latter half of the 1500s, and he actually has a fascinating story, at least I thought. He was a priest, a mystic, and he was one of 37 named doctors of the Catholic Church because of his contributions to theology in the way of his research and writing. 
He was also a major figure in the Reformation movement of the Catholic Church, and this happened to lead to his eventual incarceration, which is a wild story in and of itself. It was during this period that he penned the poem, The Dark Night of the Soul, or as it was originally written in Spanish, La Noche Oscura del Alma. So what I found very interesting was that though this poem consists of eight stanzas of five lines each, St. John had written two treatises breaking down the meaning of the poem. They're called The Ascent of Mount Carmel and The Dark Night, or just Dark Night. St. John literally wrote hundreds of pages to explain the poem line by line. And by the way, neither work was, uh, was ever completed. Now, at a high level, the dark night of the soul describes a soul's journey to reunite with God, with source. St. John describes a night in which he is led, open quote, without light or guide, save that which burned in my heart, close quote. Now, I'm grossly oversimplifying a journey that's been dissected and studied and written about for many, many years. But at a very, very high level, the Dark Knight describes three phases. The first is a purgation of the senses. Second is illumination. And the third is union, in this case with God or source. Now across these phases, the soul or the person experiences both active and passive purification of both the senses and the spirit. I think of this as detachment. Now in the dark night, the senses are effectively disconnected from guidance or perceptions that have generally led them in life, uh, effectively purifying and cleansing how we navigate our journey. I came across a beautiful and hard-hitting description um, and the podcast, uh, Word on Fire, with Bishop Barron. I'm going to include this in the show notes. Bishop Barron points out that at night we close our eyes. We don't see the world. We don't see anything the way we do by day. The regular means of illumination, street and city and sunlight, are all dimmed. We are instead, if we open our eyes at night, we are instead led by the light of the stars in the sky, which now figuratively light the way to a new path. Now, led down a path we've yet to journey, we detach ourselves from previous notions of guidance and truth. We find faith in some form. What follows this detachment are both the active and passive purification of the spirit. And that brings us, in, in this particular case, ultimately to unification with a form of truth. In St. John's case, this truth is God. Now, I've read some great analyses of the Dark Knight, and I'm going to include those in the show notes. And one of these describes the process of the Dark Knight as embarking on sort of an inverted bell curve. Now, some believe the Dark Knight is triggered by external events. This can be debated. I personally think that due to our intense intuition, our innate connection to truth with a capital T, it can be triggered internally. Anyway, at the top of this inverted bell curve, one experiences intense despair and hopelessness. We then journey down to what might be called our rock bottom, and this is our breaking point. We then climb out of the upside-down bell, facing and accepting learnings and truths, and emerge cleansed of old patterns and habits and uh, fresh and ready to forge a new path. Okay, 
Now, that was kind of a lot, even for me, right? I mean, here I am. This is my second podcast episode. I promise I'm going to bring it home. Now, for those who are far more uh, experienced and well-read on um, all things the dark night or the soul, my digestion, my description of the dark night, I, I know are quite elementary and barely touch the tip of the iceberg that can be studied for years. Now, when I take a number of those proverbial steps back, the more broadly applicable lesson or theme that I take away from the dark night of the soul is the value in detachment and a sort of purification and helping us to reunite with some sort of truth that we are seeking. When Sean told me a couple weeks ago that I'm experiencing the dark night of the soul, now having read what I have, I might be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm on the path toward some form of enlightenment. I don't know. I am only starting to learn about and understand philosophies around this kind of this journey. Now, am I in the midst of a major shift in which I'm releasing certain beliefs and habits and customs and norms? A hundred percent. So I know that there's something here. The past five years in my life have been all about releasing old patterns and habits and customs and beliefs. For instance, before I met my husband, I had prepared myself for months. It actually seems like a very short period of time now. I'd prepared myself to welcome my unborn daughter as a single mom a situation I never envisioned for myself. This alone was a completely new paradigm for me. From my view, this all comes down to detachment. Detaching from customs, from norms, expectations of both ourselves and others, detachment from material things. Even on a purely physical basis, detachment leads to greater purification and freedom. For example, how many of us feel super relieved and unburdened when we don't need a ton of stuff to goodwill? Does our home not feel more purified? Do we not feel unburdened by giving to those in need that which no longer serves us? How do we feel when we go through, say, an elimination diet to identify a culprit that could be affecting our gut health? Think about the composition of the word breakfast. We are literally breaking an overnight fast during which our body literally purifies itself. Those of us who've participated in discourse around addiction, for instance, are familiar with the notion of freedom and sobriety, freedom and the surrender of our power. How free do we feel when we release certain expectations, leaving us completely untethered to other people's actions? However we look at it, there is something wildly powerful about purification that brings us closer to the truth. Eliminating distractions and things we've simply allowed to continue to permeate our lives brings us closer to our inner wisdom, our desires, our goals, our dreams. We are influenced to believe that we are broken and incomplete, that feeling bad is bad. If we are down, we need to fix it. And the options to quote-unquote fix it are copious, drugs, alcohol, retail therapy. The reality is that we are already complete. Everything we need is within us. It is the murkiness stirred by external factors that generates confusion. Now, it might seem like a leap, but I wanted to introduce the story of the dark night of the soul because sometimes... We simply need to feel bad to get good. 
Earlier, I mentioned that there was a time in my life I leaned on SSRIs for regulation. It's now been well over a year since I've done so, and uh, I've also since eliminated other factors that have clouded my perception and intuition, including alcohol. Now, uh, these are very personal choices, and my choices are not, not even necessarily permanent. When we think about the notion of purifying our senses by removing numbing agents in order to feel greater connection with our own truth, we see the immense power that we hold. You are 100% complete. You are not broken. It is okay to feel like you're not okay. Just 10 years ago, Gary Allen told us that every storm runs out of rain, just like every dark night turns into day. On the other side of that inverted bell curve may be a beautiful dawn. Sending all my love. <laughs>